0: This is Waiting for Review, a show about iOS development and the Apple ecosystem. From the UK, I'm Dave Knott, and joining me from New Zealand is Dave Wood. Yeah, the
1: uh, cat is currently looking out the window at the birds that are waking up.
0: <laughs> I'm thinking like breakfast or something.
1: Yeah, pretty much. He'd love to be out there. Is he a house
0: cat? Or? For the moment, yeah. So how long have you had him? Like two or three weeks?
1: Uh, no, no. Uh, tr- probably two months now.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> wow. Yeah. My perception of time is not good. Yeah, probably about two months. But yeah, he's, he's, he's fully settled now. Yeah, you're supposed to keep him in for a while, aren't you? Like when you get a cat. So like keep him in the house and if they ever do go out, chances are they'll come back.
1: Yeah, and then they know where home is and, and what it sounds and smells like and that sort of stuff as well.
0: Oh, that's cool. I quite like a cat, I think. I think a dog and a baby and another baby on the way is probably quite enough for right now so <laughs>
1: yeah yeah i said so hold on for the moment yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway yeah now i'm in the room with the cat if uh he comes and says hello then we might have a few meows on the show
0: that's <laughs> quite like the idea of having an animal on the podcast so that's that's fine
1: <laughs> so i've been looking at uh 2 which is my very very original title for the the next version of my VJ app, um, and actually that that is kind of a thing. I'm I'm thinking of this as being um, a brand new app. Actually, okay, uh, there's, there's a bit of um, a thought process here going on in terms of how I'm going to re-release the app and and sort of do a bit of an upgrade pricing kind of thing with it. So yeah, lovingly titled Go VJ Two, and it is the update to my app that's been building in my head for maybe the last two years and i've been putting off for one reason or another and yeah that that started development about just over a week ago and i'm already kind of at a point where i know i know exactly how I'm going to architect this version of the app, which is a big deal to me because I felt like the architecture in the first version of the app really, really didn't do me any uh, favours after a long time. Um, Like, kind of for reference, that was storyboard-driven Objective-C because I started development quite a while ago on the first version of the app. It had all of the mistakes that (laughs) I made as a new iOS developer inside the code base yeah (laughs) Uh, a a few things that i look at now and i'm kind of like well that was actually quite a clever solution to that problem uh but i would probably handle it differently these days
0: but that's good though because that means that you've made progress on on your side
1: yeah absolutely i think i'm kind of mindful as well that any decisions i make now in terms of how i'm architecting this version of the app you know future me in two or three years time is probably going to feel very very similar actually so uh, i think it's almost impossible to future proof your code if you're constantly developing you're constantly learning you know and there's always going to be new things that you kind of want to to bring into a code base but i'm I'm being very careful to kind of think about well is that just because i like that new technology right now or that new kind of version of programming and, and architecture or is it something that's going to stand the test of time in a little bit yeah, I mean, I'm using coordinators, which I find very, very useful, and they don't really preclude you kind of doing anything after a point in fact they're a really good enabler, and that's why I use them. And I'm coding my views programmatically, so I'm using SnapKit. Mm-hmm. And I've got a a kind of mechanism where the um, root view of a view controller is actually in a separate file to the view controller. So feels like quite a good direction for me because that sort of keeps things to the side. And I'm actually, I'm using uh, the architecture we spoke about a few weeks ago now that I mentioned um, that I'm also using quite a lot in, in Paper kites at the moment, which is MVP. Now, again, future me in a couple of years might be sort of looking and going, oh, MVP, did he have to? <laughs> uh, but I doubt it. In a lot of ways, it's kind of um, it's quite a, a low overhead version of, of that architecture. It's not too sort of um, object heavy, you know. There's there's literally like these three objects that are making up the the module itself: the presenter, the view, the view controller, and, mm-hmm. and they all have very specific jobs. And everything else is sort of a, a, a manager object or something like that that's hanging off of um, a main services class that's passed into each presenter when it's initialized so it's quite low overhead in that way and actually I think the bit that I need to really worry about is is how I structure those managers um, and specifically my video mixing engine and ev- everything that the app needs to actually do what it does so I'm putting a bit of thought into that end of stuff at the moment and I've probably already started to, to back myself into a small corner with one piece of technology, and I need to be careful, I think. I'm using Realm. and I'm using Realm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I'm, I'm using Realm to represent my uh, data model, and that's with a view of, of kind of uh, two things. One is that I'll then be able to kind of save state, um, which would be quite neat. It's also got a bindings mechanism that I'll use to kind of communicate changes in state across different parts of the app. Uh, the old app had child view controllers and a notification system to send control signals between one area and the other because it's you know you've, you've got a uh an interface if you imagine like a, a dj's mixer and so you know as you move one bit on the interface that controls the engine and another part of the app may need to respond to what that's doing yeah yeah so i'm, I'm using realm to communicate those changes and i'm early into this at the moment and there's kind of two things i've got a square and one is that is that making my code heavily dependent on Realm? Yes. Am I happy with that? Is that going to look like a mess in a couple of years' time because Realm will update and the syntax will change? Or, you know, those those type of questions are the sort of things I'm thinking of. And the other one is very, very practical here. what's What's the latency like? Because I'm dealing with an application that you use in real time. And if yeah. the round trip through the database is long, then that could cause me a few issues. The big hope here, the reason I'm doing this is because I want new features. I want things that, are like uh, MIDI support where you can control the app from physical MIDI controllers that can be connected over Bluetooth or kind of through USB with the camera connection kit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I might support another protocol called OSC where control signals are sent over Wi-Fi. No, that'd be cool. Yeah, that that would be really quite cool, and that that sort of opens up the box for automation and that sort of thing. And it's it's arguable as to whether the app really needs it as an iPhone app, but a few people have asked for it, and and building this sort of functionality out kind of feeds into my next idea for later on, which is an iPad Marzipan version of the app that's got quite a few more features. So anyway, building a, a a backend that can respond to different signals that doesn't require user inputs that can happen outside of what the user's doing. That then builds a requirement to communicate those changes back to the user on the UI. So, you know, if I slide the controller all the way over to channel a on the left, then I want the visual of that to change on the UI as well. Whether I've, that that's happened over a MIDI controller or from something else sending some other sort of signal or whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, yeah, kind of thinking about all of these problems all at once um, and trying to sort of find sensible ways of of solving them, uh, preferably before I've laid down too much code.
0: must be interesting because it must be like this has been percolating for a long time. What with the move to New Zealand, I guess that's kind of prohibited you from maybe going in as much on your indie projects as you might might have liked to. So, Yeah. yeah, it must be quite cool to kind of sort of, crack open that Xcode project again and and, and get going with it?
1: Yeah, it's been been really quite fun to sort of start a clean slate. Um, I mean, like, some things are are already a done deal, like the overall design of the app's UI is going to remain sort of fairly similar. Some of the ways that it's controlled are going to change. It had a sort of drag and drop mechanism in the first version. That's not going to exist in the new version because I've found over... Over time, it's probably not the most efficient, and I've got other ideas. But then, other other parts of the app, like the underneath, like like we were just saying, is is going to completely change, and and yeah, that that feeling of kind of like, oh, it's a clean slate, a blank canvas, that's pretty cool. And I'm sort of making a list of things as I sort of play with the existing app. You know, that I'm like, yep, that's not going to happen in the new one. That's going to look like this. That's going to change, and I'm sort of building up like. Um, At the moment, it's just a series of notes. As time goes on, it will become a Trello board or something like that, and I'll start to sort of project manage it to an actual release. Um, But right now, I'm sort of in that kind of prototyping mode, and every time I'm trying something out like Realm, I'm sort of making a branch, having a play. If it works, then it'll get merged back into the main uh, development branch. Uh, If it doesn't, I'll delete the branch I'll move on in life and try something else you know it's very much a sort of R&D kind of phase at the moment
0: no that makes sense no that's kind of a nice phase as well I quite like that that part of a project where it's kind of like you just you're free to explore yep I always find that quite interesting that's cool so if, if you had to guess how how long do you think it will take to get this made uh,
1: whatever I put myself on the hook for I need to double or triple I was going to say uh, double yeah. it. <laughs> So off bat, assuming that you know, I've spent some time in my my holiday right now, and there's probably some time over the Christmas break and the spare time I I may or may not have. I reckon I'll be lucky to have a, a version 1.0 out in about six months, which means that we'll be talking about me shipping it in a year's time. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that's probably probably the most realistic i can get to i'd like it to be ready sooner than that but yeah if i want this to be right it's probably around about that timeline
0: yeah that's a fairly typical feeling isn't it and i think you're right to just double whatever you think um, yeah it's always it's easy to be optimistic isn't it and kind of think oh that won't take long and i'll do this and i'll do that and you can almost like see the code writing itself and <laughs> yeah and you, you sit down in front of xcode and it, it's a different story uh,
1: that's cool yeah yeah i'm I'm really enjoying it at the moment and that's that's the key thing so obviously i would like this to sell i would like it to be a product and a thing and to have that sort of side of its life um, but as we sort of spoke about last week that's not necessarily a primary motivator you know this is a side project and it's useful to sort of scratch that itch of trying out ideas and it, it fulfills something i want to play with um, but equally it does seem to help a few people as well. And that, that's cool. Uh, but yeah, at the moment it's fun and that's the point, you know, anything I do outside of, of my day job where I am also writing apps has to be fun. And I've kind of realized that, that anything that sort of starts to feel like it's, it's lost that side of it. Um, I will just bin, I won't do because quite honestly, by the time I've gotten to to the end of the day, um, or if it's a weekend or whatever, if I'm gonna put more time in on it, it's that's the requirement. It's gotta be a fun use of my time.
0: Yeah, I think that that's similar conclusion to what I kinda of came to, you know, a few months ago when I spoke about the whole situation with shutting down Root Digital, um and and rebooting things. If I kinda of said to myself, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna do this again, because like developing armchair, I I was horrible to myself when I think about it, and I put myself through like this mental ordeal that I just really was quite unnecessary when I think about it. Um, especially when you consider how it ended uh, as well. Um, so I kind of said to myself, if if we're doing this again, we're not doing it like that. It's got to be kind of on my terms, and it's got to be like you say, fun uh, at the core of it. I'm sitting down in front of Xcode because it's fun. Yep. And if I happen to come out with something that's quite good and quite neat and maybe some people are like it sure i'll release it but again that's kind of like not the not the main motivation for me right now and if it got if like a project that i'm on gets to the point where it's it's no longer fun yeah like you say just bin it move on and uh, yeah you'll probably thank yourself i'd have thought and I've, I've done that actually
1: in the last six months with with a few ideas you know i mean we've we've spoken about a few things before and little apps that I was thinking of building and I've just stopped doing them when they've stopped being fun I've I've stopped doing it and that hasn't always been a conscious decision but I think where I'm at now it definitely is you know sort of I I was starting to beat myself up because I wasn't making progress on side projects and that that sort of thing uh, I think, that like you were saying, you know, with, with yourself and an armchair, it's very easy to sort of put yourself under that kind of pressure. If, if your sort of ideal of what it's supposed to be is up here or over there, you know, and the reality with the time you've got or or the direction you've chose or whatever just isn't there, then yeah, it's quite easy to sort of just fall into this, this kind of negative spiral with it. Mm. Yeah, I think I've kind of unconsciously been killing ideas like that. After a bit of reflection over the last month, I've sort of reached this position of like, well, no, actually I need to consciously kill these things before, you know, when they get to that stage. I I actually think this is something indie developers probably suffer from a lot, is that you end up with a lot of ideas, yeah? Mm -hmm. And almost every idea that you have starts to become an app. You know, you you take (laughs) up a new hobby, you speak to somebody who works in a, a sector or a field that you didn't know much about and you learn something about it. And then you're like, aha, I have this idea for that. Everything can sort of start looking like new apps. You know, maybe only one out of 10 is really worth looking at in any greater detail. And maybe only one in 50 or something is actually worth your time. Uh, But it can be really, really easy to kind of go, oh, yeah, going to do that. Let's have this. And then, you know, before you know it, you've got Xcode open, um, you've got no design and you're kind of just piling in and thinking you're going to make this wonderful thing. And really, you just need to scratch a bit of an itch and, and have a look,
0: you know. Well, for me, that's where the landing pages have been awesome. Because if I have an idea for something, if I try and make a landing page for it, almost as if I'm trying to sell it as a finished product by kind of mocking up screenshots of what I think it was going to look like when it's done, obviously there's no code behind any of it, but this is what I've got in my head and this is going to be the pitch. Yeah. Sometimes that's enough. And I can kind of come away being like, yeah, that's an idea. And I've kind of recorded that idea now. And that kind of takes it out of my brain. Yeah. And I can just move on. And also, just i've said this before but just the exercise of doing one of these landing pages is is so worth it because it never ends how you think it's going to um, because the process you go through kind of forces you to think through the app as a kind of a complete system yeah and then you start asking yourself all sorts of questions oh well i I, what's this going to be like and you think oh I hadn't actually thought of that and then of course you have to go through and think it all through and you know f- for your pitch to make sense the app has to work in this certain way it's a really interesting exercise and I'd encourage any- anyone to do it but it kind of yeah it it does scratch that itch and in a lot of cases um, I think it could maybe save you from going down that rabbit hole of you know weeks or months in xcode working on an app that maybe doesn't really deserve your time Um, Yeah, kind of weeds out the bad ideas i think and a landing page in itself can take a little bit of time but nowhere near as much as actually going full-on into development um so yeah Yeah. it's uh that's kind of my little process at the moment if i have an idea i try and make a landing page if a landing page feels like it's not going right then it just gets binned and i sort of no harm done not too much time wasted
1: that's fair enough and i'm kind of With new ideas, I'm sort of triaging them, I guess, in in a similar kind of way in that they go in the ideas list. I add notes to them and if they're worth kind of any more effort, then I'll go through a landing page. You know, I'm sort of just kind of capturing the idea as much as I can. And then kind of making a deal with myself of like, well, okay, if this keeps nagging me or this page of notes is huge in a week's time, then I'll put the landing page together and we'll go that route again, though, you know, not diving straight in and doing code. Mm. And yeah, yeah well, well, the reality of that is that nothing's become a landing page in the last two months, really. But what has happened for me is that I, I had to put an update out to um, to go VJ. Uh, just to sort of fix a couple of things and, and kind of bump uh, the SDK a bit and, and that sort of stuff. I wanted to support the files mechanism rather than the iTunes sharing. Uh, okay. And that, that was something that I missed over the last couple of years. And so I did that while I was at it. Anyway, long and the short of it was that putting this version out and actually asking for a few new beta testers um, in the community of people that do this sort of thing where they're mixing video, that reinvigorated my sort of interest in the app and i had interaction with people who were then asking me oh could you do this could you do that um combined with getting a bit more feedback from uh, somebody on a review um who told me are you please going to update this app i've been using it for the last two years and i really love it and i thought "Mm, i need to just kind of do something more on this now it's time
0: (laughs) yeah and and you know what, it's kind of like the whole VJ thing, it's kind of like your thing. Yep. And if it, it feels right that you're doing an app like that, rather than you know trying to find an idea somewhere else. It feels like this is kind of where, where your side project thing should be, because obviously you've got a big background in it, and it's something that you're passionate about. So that's, that's two pretty good reasons right there that you should be doing this. Not to mention you've already got a version out there that people are sort of interacting with you on. So yeah, it feels right.
1: I'm still selling the original version as well. I mean, it's not making as much as I'd like, but it's it's ticking away. And, you know, it does just sort of feel like, well, get that update out there, explore a few other things and sort of see whether there's actually a bit more underneath that as well. I mean, it's not the primary motivation, but there's certainly an element of, well, it, it, there's this, this kind of small flow of money coming on with it as it is. If I put this effort in and I'm happy with that, on no, on, on generating no extra money. The reality is, is it will probably help a bit. You know, yeah. And, and that's, yeah. It's not going to be a payoff if you imagine it as, um, as money <laughs> for hours. I'm sure I could work that out and find out how how far below minimum wage it really is. <laughs> oh, don't do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but but it, you know, it, it's probably not negative as well, and that's cool. So the the existing app is a paid app. I've got a couple of choices. I could update on the existing app and literally just take it from, you know, current version 1.1 point something and just bump it. And then ta it's the new version and everybody who's bought it gets the new version of the app. And to be honest with you, I don't want to do that. I, I would actually sort of put this, what I'm doing with the app feels like an upgrade. And I'm kind of a little bit annoyed with Apple that I can't just sort of do upgrade pricing. I've I've come all the way yeah. around to sort of feeling that grind.
0: Mm-hmm. uh Well, you never know. By the time you're done, we're going to have another WWDC under our belt, probably. So yeah, never say never.
1: No, exactly. And I'll be you know kind of holding off and just seeing what happens. If if I've got the app ready for release in June, then I'll be looking and going, well, should I just hold on until September? You know and seeing what happens, but that to one side, assuming everything stays the same, my choices with the new app are to me they they feel like I either do it again and I put it as a second paid app and I make them part of a bundle and by doing that, I can then offer a um like a a virtual discount against the new version for people who have already bought the app, you know because like the existing app is priced at X, the new app is priced at Y, and then the bundle costs Z, which is less if you've sort of already bought. That might be quite a good way of sort of achieving upgrade pricing for people who've already bought the existing app. And I would do that, and I would probably keep both apps in the store side by side for a couple of months, and then, you know, quietly retire the old app. And if I do that, it's literally going to be called GoVJ2 and probably have some sort of variation on the icon so that people know they're running version 2. Yep, yep. And it has to be said, within the, the niche, the pro-level software, quite often on, on every upgrade, there's like a, a new icon or something to, in the interface or whatever that kind of indicates to people they're on that newer version. It is a it is a thing within the, the the sort of community. So it doesn't feel weird to sort of have like, you know, Go v j one and go v j two side by side in the app store, and certainly not for a little period of time, yeah, and there's nothing stopping me on the original app, putting some sort of note in there somewhere that you know tells people you're running the older version of the app, you know, click this button to go and see the version 2. that that that's a potential thing, yeah uh the other end of it is okay, I've got brand new. App bundle to work with i've got a clean slate could i look at subscription pricing is that perhaps a thing you know could i could i look at doing this differently in some fashion and at that point i'm not sure and i've, I've gone round and round on this uh with the existing app a few times um i would consider you know a freemium model and i am kind of looking at what that that would be but the yeah it's tricky when I'm already selling a paid upfront app.
0: It's also difficult, isn't it, that you're in a niche as well? Yep. Because it's almost yep. like for an app purchase to work out, you need volume. Yep. And it's almost like just in the nature of your of the niche that you're in, you're almost in a niche of a niche, aren't you? Because you're looking at VJing for one thing, and then you're kind of targeting, is it beginners within VJing? Pretty much, yeah. If
1: you're a pro, you're not going to want to do it off an iPhone or an iPad, really. No. You know, I mean, the pros that do use the app, they're using it as a a novelty, as a a thing that they can hook into the rest of their setup. So people use that, and then they hand the phone out to people in the audience to play with and that sort of stuff. That's where I'm at, though, is is like it's beginners, um, it's people who are just trying it out for the novelty, and then there's DJs who literally just want something cheap for their mate to operate while they're putting on a small gig. Yeah, Mm. so with that in mind the majority of my effort to sell is kind of at the point where they make the position to install the app and i don't necessarily get permission to then ask later on because they're perhaps not going to be in the app if you see see what i mean they're not going to be coming back every day and sort of going oh i want to vj now they'll have a gig or they'll they'll want to you know spend an hour or two mixing that that happens I, i've seen that in usage stats in the past before i retired fabric yeah with that in mind i have to sort of think well i've got to make the sale up front and that's where paid up front is literally the model for that you know i don't seem necessarily get to ask yeah i, I don't mm. get to ask later on you know how about this effects pack or this video loop
0: pack or something like that. I don't think that'll actually bear out. Do you think you could sort of do a hybrid approach where you charge? Why are you charging at the moment? Just Um,
1: Charging, depending on which territory, about $5, yeah. Okay. Five US dollars.
0: So judging the fact that you're going at kind of beginners, maybe people that just want to try it out, um, I think if you're kind of interested in VJing to start with, and you want to try it out? I think you, know, you probably would spend five dollars on an app if, if you're interested in the first place. It's not just like a random kind of thought, is it? That oh, I'll just download Go VJ because you, you need to be into it to even want it in the first place. So I think yeah, that's probably reasonable. Do you think there's kind of room for in-app purchases inside of that as well, in terms of like you like you just said about loot packs and, and things like that?
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely, and I think. With those, I probably need to think just that little bit wider. Um, and what I mean by that is I would be happy to kind of set those up and, and have that in this version of the app. But as I've alluded to before, I'm thinking about this idea of kind of expanding later on and having an iPad marzipan take on on the app as well. Yeah, And if I do in-app purchases for content and and effects... If possible, I do think I should be supporting some sort of transmission of those things um, into the pro app as well, because I think there's kind of a an upgrade route from from this app to the pro app, um, if you get me. So if, if I, as a, as a user, have bought this app and I'm playing with it on a, on a basic level, I'm getting use out of it. I've bought these other things and then I go, oh, I want to use the pro app. At that point, I want to make sure those users have still got the upgrade that they that they bought you know they've they've got the extra content or whatever it is in the pro app as kind of a way of their of it sort of expanding as an ecosystem with them and,
0: and you're still set
1: on making a pro app as
0: well go, uh, yeah
1: too. yeah okay. because the ideas around that specifically require a bigger ui um so it comes off the phone at that point it becomes an ipad app it would very naturally fit um marzipan i think as well so mm-hmm. yeah, I, I'm well. I'm set on doing that later on. I think the immediate is to to do this update.
0: Do you think it would be any? Do you think there's any mileage in just including it? This kind of pro app as part of Go VJ2 over time, like when Marzipan becomes a thing, just kind of do an update that includes that and just kind of have it as a a value proposition for for users that might not have downloaded it um, versus shelling out for a pro app or do you think they're just too they're just going to be so different that there's not enough crossover
1: i think there's going to be enough of a difference actually uh, i i think this is going to be where like i say where where your your needs as a user have expanded just that bit more i think i would probably if if both are paid up front then i would be using that that bundle idea to sort of um incentivize going pro if you've already got the original rather than you know you, you can just install it and, and use it with the one you've got. Like I say, all, all this side of stuff is still very much um, kind of on the table, you know, in terms of what I could do. Yeah. Um, a pro app I can't really worry too much about just yet, and, and I guess, because it's, you know, again, it's down to time
0: and whether I can actually make it and all of that sort of stuff. Yeah, it seems a way off yet, doesn't it, the pro app? Yeah. Given that We're talking about a year's time for GoVJ2. Exactly. Which is completely separate from the pro app. And I
1: think with the with the pro app, I'm probably as I collect the ideas, I'm actually going to put that through the landing page idea, um, have an email sign up and that sort of thing, so I can actually kind of gauge the real interest there as well. Yeah. Right. Uh, so there's nothing stopping me doing that over over the next couple of months or so. I think as an update to as as this govj VJ2 is actually starting to look like a real thing, that's probably the time to get the the landing page together as well. You know, I mean, like, yeah, I I just start getting that ready so that that when I ship, eventually go VJ2, either in six months or a year's time, we'll we'll see. (laughs) Um, There's this sort of other page there that's like, ah, you're thinking about using this on, uh, you know, a more professional basis. Well, here's what I'm thinking of doing. You know, obviously Mm -hmm. not quite worded like that, but... Yeah,
0: yeah, sure. Do you think there's any scope for, like, um sort of consumable in-app purchases that are related to output as as Uh in sort of outputting via hdmi or or, you know one of those dongle things so that if you're just playing with it on the ipad maybe at home just sort of experimenting learning playing um then you can sort of you know go to your heart's content but maybe if you want to go and hook up for a, a small gig or something yeah, poten-
1: potentially. Um, I, at this stage with the with the existing app, I, I really didn't want to go in any, any route like that because you know it's really kind of not functional on the device itself beyond kind of just having a little noodle. It would have to sort of be free, and then that's your in-app purchase sort of step. Oh, okay. really? With the update to the app. I'm going to have a a recording facility and there's going to be things that you can do without having to actually hook it up to an external screen. And yeah, at that point it it might make sense, you know, it might make sense to sort of gate some of this stuff. I think I need to actually get people testing it in test flight and, and run people through that sort of process and get a bit of user feedback on this stuff.
0: Yeah, it's also hard, isn't it, that you're paid up front as well in the first place because my expectation of any paid up front app is that you should never bug me again. Pretty much, that's, yeah. Yeah, so that's going to be a tough line to walk, I think. Um,
1: yeah. So the, the, the upgrade route that's sort of in-app purchase on an existing paid app, for me, for this, it, it feels like that would be better for the things like we spoke about before. You know, you can buy some content or you can buy some filters. There's, like, extra value add bits that you can can get so it's more of an uh, a cross sell into something that you may or may not need
0: yeah yeah the content seems kind of more more fair doesn't it versus what i just described as kind of blocking output over the hdmi dongle unless you pay extra or something that seems a bit thinking about it now that seems a bit cheap actually (laughs) if you were to do that (laughs) no that
1: that would be absolutely the right route for a freemium app for example you know You'd see a watermark on the output or something, and an ex- external displays. That's the point where you know they're trying to do that that next level of activity. That's you know they need more back from the app, so that would be the right point to ask. Yeah, but but I th- yeah, I think really that that is something I should be looking at though. Is this sort of well, okay? There's there's it's still at this sort of nominal fee kind of placement, really, even in terms of a paid upfront app. Um, because of the niche it's in, you know, if you want to go do this thing on your phone, that's actually quite an involved thing to do. Then five bucks or whatever is, is not that big an ask in the scheme of things. So at that point though, if you are also then a regular user, if I can offer those people something extra that they can do, and it's got a price, but again, it's a nominal fee, you know, you're talking like for another dollar, you've, you've got a load more effects or something like that. Um, that feels like it's in the right direction. I'm not breaking the app for people when unnecessarily. And I think as long as I don't nag people for those updates, you know, if if I've paid up front for an app and then it's asking me to to put more money into it, well then I sort of feel like I've been, you know, I've I've been cheated at that
0: point. Yeah. Do you think your market, given that again, you're going for kind of the beginner end, do you think they're going to be more receptive to things like wanting extra effects and, and uh, sort of loot packs and things? Because that kind of stuff could maybe help a, a beginner sort of find their feet a little bit, just get them going. Yeah. Um, whereas maybe would a, would a pro maybe just sort of bring their own stuff anyway in in that respect?
1: Exactly, yeah. So actually having a series of extra things for for my users to buy probably does suit the beginners
0: and that end of the market quite well it would wouldn't it yeah it'd serve your market brilliantly i would have thought sort of giving them a helping hand almost rather than just trying to charge them for stuff i mean obviously they'll say like pay a a dollar or two but i think that's that'd be a huge help to them
1: yeah and 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 i think as well as that will help me with people who are not already in the field for other reasons so i think there's two types of beginner to my user base actually there's people who want to take up the art form and, and and everything else to be a VJ, and then there are also people who want to have an app that does it because they do something else. Like I alluded to before, the people who are um, they're DJs or they've got a band and they just want somebody to run some some visuals behind them while they perform. You know, like I said, it's that that example of of your your mate is using the app while you do the DJing and, and it's probably quite a small setup. Yeah. Um but in either case, there's there's this potential to give those people something else. So beginners will want content and things to play with because they've not made it yet. Um the other type of user, the you know, the the friend of the band who's putting on the visuals, they're not necessarily into the art form. They're not necessarily going to make their own content. And for those people I actually think that the, the idea of um, audio reactive, um, generative kind of effects is probably a good idea. So there's this other kind of sub niche of filtering effects within this this sort of app, um, where you have something that's like uh, kind of a take on an audio visualizer, like if you remember Milk Drop, that sort of thing that used to work in, in Winamp. You know, oh, way yeah, back Winamp. When, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so it's it's the easiest go-to example, really, that I know of. Um, Yeah, so audio visualizers as effects that you can just drop onto a channel and use, you know. And then, so what that does is if you've got an audio feed, you've then got something visual that is reacting to that audio on the screen, and you can mix it like any other bit of video, that is one of the features that I want to add. And I think when that's there, charging for those things as sort of extra consumables is a, a good shout. Uh but I need to lay down the groundwork
0: first. You know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Once one step at a time. Exactly, yeah. Yeah.
1: Um but but those are my ideas at the moment. I'm am a lot of it's quite fluid. Uh I think yeah, given what we've talked about just now and where my own sort of heart is at with stuff, I, I think I'm probably still going to be a paid upfront app. But like I say, I'll, I'll bundle it with the existing app so people get a discount in the first few months. And then, yeah, keep looking for in-app purchases to kind of extend out the, the potential of people who've already bought the app. And longer, longer term, think about this pro app that I'm I've got bubbling away in the back of my head just like this update
0: okay we'll call that a wrap if you've enjoyed today's show it'd be great if you could leave us a review on itunes or if you could leave us a recommendation in overcast by hitting that star button that will help us reach even more like-minded people um, also, we have our Slack channel. We'd love to invite you to join. Our hope is it can be a really great place for fellow developers to come and hang out. If you'd like to join, uh, just leave us a message on Twitter at WFRpodcast and we'll get you signed up. So, Dave, before we run off, where can people find you? You can find me on
1: Twitter at
0: DWRoboHeads.
1: That's RoboHeads spelled with a Z. And you can find my apps at RoboHeads.com. Again, that's robohead spelled with a Z. How about you, Dave?
0: You can follow me online at DaveNot.co.uk or on Twitter. I'm at underscore Dave Knot.